0: What do you know? (laughs) See? That's become a kind of familiar greeting. What do you know? Two people encounter one another and there are various ways of speaking and engaging. You say, how are you? You say, what's up? Good to see you. How you doing? All these are colloquial sayings. We hear them often. We speak various ones of them, perhaps. What do you know? It might be another in this familiar way of interacting. What do you know? When we ask or when we hear that greeting, most of us do not mean for it to be taken literally. We're not asking or expecting a list of all the person knows. <laughs> like, two plus two is four. Four. The square root of 64 is 8. Or there are 5,280 feet in a mile. We're not asking or expecting a detailed explication of all that that person knows in their personal life or an accounting of every minute of the last 12 hours of that person's life. We're not asking what they know or think about the governor's trial or what's happening in the book that they're reading Or anything like that. What do you know? It's a greeting. We don't take it literally. It's used to connect people. It's used to open some interaction. It might lead to some deep and meaningful conversation, but mostly it's a greeting. What's complicated about this phrase, what do you know? And what I want to invite us to think briefly about today is the complexity of the word know. No, K-N-O-W has many and broad meanings. It means to be aware of some truth. Something like 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's a fact. We know it. There are lots of facts. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. There are 365 days in a year. second Presbyterian church has been in this location since 1845. Richmond is the capital of Virginia, and on and on. To know something is to be in possession of certain information, some insight, familiar with some truths. All of us know lots of facts and data, depending on our varied experience, our training, our education, our personal pursuits, our degrees, whatever. We know lots. But know also has other meanings, as you know beyond facts, beyond information, beyond data. For example, we might know the name of this church and where it is at the corner of 5th and Main, but do we know the church? That is a, a different kind of knowing. Maybe it has to do more than just with the fact of where it is and how long it's been there, but... Who is there and what is happening there and what's it like there? See, the word no gets really complicated. We might know people in this church. We might know programs that happen here. We know how important it is to be connected here because it nurtures our hearts and our faith and our life. And then it becomes significant for us. We use the word no, in fact, all the time, like with people. We may or may not know somebody's name or where they live, but when we know them, we have an understanding of their nature, we have an insight on their depth, an experience of their gifts, their loves, their life. We're committed, uh, we're familiar and acquainted with their uniqueness, their commitment. This kind of knowing is not about facts, it's not about data, but feelings and the heart and intuition. This kind of knowing is about real connections, discernment, understanding, perspectives. Here's another way to think about it. You could have a double Ph.D. in engineering and ornithology, the study of birds, You could get grass and feathers and scraps of paper and mud and whatever you could find to build a robin's nest. You could take your fingers and your thumb and science and all kinds of knowledge and put together what you thought was a bird's nest. It might or might not appeal to a robin. It might or might not survive a rainstorm. And then imagine a robin building her nest with just her beak the robin doesn't know that she knows how to build a nest and doesn't know how she knows it but we all know she knows it she has a feel for it how she how does she know it well she's a robin Robins just know how to build nests. Knowing includes data. Knowing includes information. Knowing also includes much more. Intuition, experience, so much more than what can be found in books or rules or data or information. Now here's the story for today. You might know that the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. The book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, otherwise known as the Acts of the Holy Spirit, as some people like to call it, the book of Acts tells the continuing story of the disciples most touched by Jesus' life and presence and it tells the story of what happened to those disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection. He's no longer with them in body, but they are empowered by His Spirit to carry on in ministry in His name, just as we are called to do. Acts is the continuing story of their lives of faith towards the end of the first century. As the disciples carried on in teaching and in healing and in preaching and in building community as God's people, they had challenges. In fact, they had huge challenges. The religious leaders, the government leaders, were nervous by the work of the disciples. They were even threatened by the work of the disciples. And so at the beginning of Acts chapter 12, King Herod, a very violent person, started going after Jesus' disciples. Acts 12.1 says that Herod had James, one of the disciples, killed with the sword. And it says, this pleased the Jews. And then Herod had Peter arrested, thrown in jail, and not just guarded by a couple guards, but guarded by four guards to keep him secure. He was a threat to Herod, Peter. And then the night before Herod was to release Peter, Peter was sleeping between the two guards and surrounded by others. And suddenly, it says, an angel of the Lord came and light covered the cell and the chains fell off Peter's feet. And Peter followed the angel out of the cell. And as soon as they got to the outer wall, they found that the doors had been open. Peter was free. As soon as he was free... And full of his senses, because of all that was happening, Peter went to his friend's house, the house of Mary. Not the Mary that found Jesus at the tomb, but Mary, who's the mother of one of the disciples. And at this house, the disciples had gathered to be together in their fear, and they gathered there to pray. Peter, recently freed by the angel in the night from the guards and from the cell, knocks at the outer gate at Mary's house. Mary's maid, Rhoda, heard it and she came to answer this knocking at the gate. She saw that it was Peter. And so overjoyed at seeing him, he's supposed to be in prison, so overjoyed at seeing him, she didn't open the gate, she ran back inside to tell the others. And here is our verse for this day, Acts twelve fifteen. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. They said, it's his angel. That's our verse for today. The word of the Lord. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she insisted that it was so. She had seen Peter. Some translation put the disciples' words of Rhoda like this. You are crazy. Others say, you have lost your mind. So think of the disciples in the house and think of Rhoda. And here's the greeting. What do you know? What do you know? The disciples know Peter's in jail. The victim of Herod's anger and persecution surrounded by guards and chains and gates. Those are the facts. That's the data. That's the information. This is the way life works. You must be crazy, they say to Rhoda. Rhoda, the maid, who heard someone at the gate, knew these facts. Herod, chains, gates, jail. But she also had an experience. She had new insights an experience and insights that affect her life. She says, "No. She insisted it is Peter. This is not crazy. This is real." Indeed, Peter, because Rhoda left him outside still knocking. He kept knocking, hoping someone would let him in. And indeed, they did. They saw him. They were amazed. He came into the house. He told them to be silent. But obviously, they were all encouraged by all that God was doing here. The story continues. Herod, meanwhile, goes crazy. And he kills the guards who let Peter escape. He starts ranting and he starts raving that he's the one in charge and not God. This is in Acts 12. Within a few verses, Acts 12.23 says, Herod dies and is eaten by the worms. Acts 12.24 24 says that the word of God kept spreading and expanding and gaining adherence. The disciples, once fearful and perplexed about everything, are becoming effective servants of God in the mission of God's kingdom, bringing light and hope to the whole world. So this, for me, begs two questions. What do you know? What we know is often in our lives shaped by our limited understanding of facts and our experiences experiences that can lead to pretty narrow conclusions like the response to Rhoda. You must be out of your mind. You must be crazy. Facts are facts. The world is like it is. This is what we see. This is how we think. And then the second question is really for all of us. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? See, friends, we're invited to be open to the reality that God is always part of the scene. We're invited to be open to the reality that God is always at work in ways that we cannot imagine and we cannot even see yet. What if we could break out of our tendency to get so discouraged with what we perceive to be the way things are? What if we each had such experience and such faith that people looked at us and said, you must be out of your mind? Because we had such an overwhelming sense, an insight, a perception, a passion, an experience. That God was present and at work. What about that? Let me just walk with you again through the progression of events in this little chapter, Acts 12. The story, Herod had it out for the disciples. He had James killed. He threw Peter in prison, locked up. And not just in prison, but think maximum security the way he had it staged. The angel appears. Then we have this wonderful scene at the gate at Mary's house when Rhoda hears the knock and runs out to see who it is and what followed, And then Herod goes on this murderous rage. And then we have the demise of Herod. And then we have the affirmation, the word of God grew and expanded and multiplied which is what Acts twelve twenty four says. Despite the power and the cruelty of powerful people, it's God's word and God's way that prevails. The proud and the vicious are brought low. The new kingdom breaks in over every other kingdom. And God, not the king, Herod, not any person we say is king, God, has the last word. All of this, and there are many stories like this, want us to get caught up, not in the mess of the world, but in God. All of this urges us, you and me and right where we find ourselves today, with the very circumstances of our lives, all of this urges us to not look only at what we think or perceive or expect or what we think we know, we're to look to God who's always present and always at work, never to be defeated. Are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? Actually, what a compliment that would be. What an affirmation of faithfulness. Our knowledge, our commitment leads us in a different way. Toward God's ways, following Jesus, working for the kingdom of Jesus amidst the kingdoms that we know a little too well. You do what? You go to church? Heard that? You do what? Moreover, you go all the way downtown to church? Second Presbyterian? You crazy? Well, maybe because you know what? That's where we see God at work and that's where my faith is interacted and where I'm engaged in community and growth and indeed where we serve God, which is what we're called to do in this city. You do what? You give sacrificially to God's purposes? You devote your energy to care and serve something beside yourself? Or your kids so they'll have perfect lives or some other thing that's going to give you the good life? You do what? Are you crazy? Well, maybe I am. Maybe we are because life is bigger than I am and bigger than you are and bigger than we all are together. And life is full and life is full of God. And life is full of God's care and God's purposes because we're not our own and we belong to God and we seek to worship and serve God. That's the calling of our lives. You do what? You keep looking for new mission projects at Second Presbyterian, deeper ways to love and serve God, walk in ministry, caritas ministry, mission support for some causes. That's not enough? You want to do more? Are you crazy? Well, maybe we are. And maybe that's good and wonderful because God is not finished with the things we're called to be about in this city and in the world this day to bring about God's reign of light and peace and justice for all God's people. You what? You, actually with what you're dealing with, you want to trust God? despite the changing circumstances of your life? How can you do that? Are you crazy? Losses, heartache, sickness? You want to let go of frenzy and fear and enfold your life in God's care? Are you crazy? Well, yes, maybe. Life is hard. And life is full of hardships that keep coming. But life is held by God. That's the promise. Life is held by God always, and even death is not the end for us. God wins. God prevails. God holds. God's love endures forever. What do you know? What do you know? Are you out of your mind? you crazy? We hope so. We hope so. We hope we're so filled with God's light and love, so full of knowledge and faith that our lives really do not make sense except in light of God and God's purposes. We hope we're so touched, so covered, so full of God's Spirit individually and together that our lives, our work, our church fully embodies the love and the purposes and promises of Jesus Christ our Lord. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Touch us, O God. Make us crazy disciples who love and serve Jesus Christ. Amen.